been an interesting week uh, for me this week with Thanksgiving. Uh, I gotta just say it was a, been an awesome Thanksgiving for, for me and for my family. I hope it was uh, for yours as well. We had both the boys at home uh, with us. Uh, we were able to be here on Thursday and help with the community blessings meal. That was a, that was a real uh, blessing. We hosted Sarah's family on Thanksgiving Day and that was a lot of fun. We got the Christmas tree put up on Friday. Uh, Then found time to relax a little bit yesterday and watch some really good football games. Uh, So it was just it was just really a really good week uh, for us. Uh, And I and I was reading this this uh, chapter this week, and maybe some of you read it as well. Uh, It's a great uh, some great verses on Thanksgiving, but Psalm 100. I wanted to read those uh, for us this morning. Uh, Just going to read it, and we're going to move on. Matthew chapter one is is where we're going to settle today. But let me just read these. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. That's what we've done this morning already. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever in his faithfulness to all generations. I get amen for that? But, what, but where does that leave Jim, Jim and Denise this week in the hospital with blood transfusions or, or Mike and Karen with the loss of a daughter uh, or, or Roll Kurtz and Judy dealing with this cancer diagnosis? Some of you are, are caring for loved ones that can't care for themselves anymore or have uh, friends or family with COVID in the hospital, and you couldn't even see them this week. Where, where is the thanksgiving in those circumstances? And, and the Lord's kind of been bringing that to, to my mind uh, this week as well. So I think the only, we can, the only thing we can do is to remind ourselves one of the great promises of Scripture is not that if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ that everything will be well with us, we'll have no issues, no problems, it'll all be uh, just, just fun and games. The promise is that he will be with us through it all. Uh, and not just that he will be with us when it's good, but he'll be with us when it's uh, not so good, and even the worst of situations are temporary. Second uh, Corinthians 4 uh, chapter 16 and 18 through 18, excuse me, chapter four, verses 16 through 18 say this, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, Some, sometimes our afflictions don't seem light and momentary, but it says this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, which would be our circumstances, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary. They, they come and they go. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So we have hope for today that God is with us. He will be with us through every situation. Uh, but that one day we will be with him in glory. And so we have this 
hope and our thanksgiving is not for our current situation but for the God that is with us no matter what our situation is. Let's, let's pray together before we, we really get into the message. Heavenly Father, we truly do have so much to be thankful for, and it starts with your son, Jesus. You loved us so much that you didn't leave us down here by ourselves to figure it out, but you sent your son, died on the cross for our sins, we can have a relationship with him. Lord, I pray that uh, each one of us would be thankful above all things for, for you and for your son. And Lord, we do pray for the Osbournes and the Arnolds and the Kurtz and, and other families that are, are dealing with difficult things during this uh, season of, that we've designated as a season of Thanksgiving. Lord, I pray that every day would be a day of Thanksgiving uh, in our lives. No matter what we're dealing with, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Uh, Lord, help us to do that this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for each one that's here. Thank you for those that are gathering in other churches in our area this morning. May uh, your word be proclaimed truthfully and accurately this morning all throughout our county, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about hope today. We're going to look the next uh, four sun Sundays uh, during this Advent season uh, on, the, on the subjects of, of hope, faith, joy, and love. And so we start with uh, hope this morning. It's not too early uh, to start talking about Christmas. I, I have for a long time been one of those ones that said uh, no Christmas music, decorate, uh, that all can wait at least until December the 1st. And then, and then Nate went off to college and we realized if we waited until December the 1st, he'd miss out on some of that. So we, the Christmas music was going this weekend, the tree's up. We're, anybody, else, anybody else got a Christmas tree up in their house yet? Yeah, see, so some of, you, some of you are doing that. How many of you are shopping this weekend for Christmas, getting the good deals? How many of you just won't admit it? Okay. We're going to talk about the anticipation, the expectation, the hope um, that comes with Christmas. Uh, and I think that everybody wants to hope in something, hope for uh, a better future, hope for um, relief from today's troubles or from today's sorrows. We want to we hope for a, a, a more comfortable um, place that we'll find ourselves in the future. Uh, hope, hopefully, there, you have hope that uh, we'll return one day to the innocence that was enjoyed in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve and God. And we, we live in, in such a corrupt and broken world now, we sometimes just think, man, if we, if we could just go back to a, a simpler time. And we're going to start there this morning, a time when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were with God, they lived in perfect harmony, no, no pain, no sorrow, no uh, difficulties, just perfect harmony and innocence with God. God said that he, he created everything and he looked at it and said it was very good. And so that's where we'll start today to realize that our greatest need is, is not a, a Christmas gift. Uh, we've got our list. I don't know if I mentioned it. The kids are staying in here with us this morning because we're going to take communion together. Any, any kids in here this morning have a Christmas list going yet? P Pat? Okay, P Pat Langford's got her Christmas list going. <laughs> 
It was, it was precious. My, my niece on, on Thursday, while she had all the aunts and uncles together, she was working on her Christmas list. It was not the things that she wanted from us. It was the things that we wanted from her. And so she was, she was, she was very insistent that each one of us give her something that she could get for us. And so whether your Christmas list is for the things that you want or the things that you need to get, we all have our, our list of things that we're, we're hoping for. And uh, the, the people of Israel would have had a list of, of, of things they were waiting for, and they called them their scriptures, and they were waiting for a Messiah, someone that would come and save them. And this is why they needed it. Adam and Eve were in the garden, perfect harmony with God. No sin was in the world. God said it was very good. Gave Adam and Eve one boundary. Don't eat from this tree. It wasn't because he was hiding something from them, because it was because he knew that this was for their good, for their best. And of course, we know what happens. The woman, uh, in Genesis chapter two, verse six, saw that the tree was good for food and was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. And she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, Adam, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. So God created a beautiful garden, made one boundary, said, uh, don't eat from the fruit, the fruit of this tree, and of course that's exactly what Adam and Eve both did, and two things happened. Their, re- their relationship was, uh, was damaged. Immediately they felt shame, and, they, and they were the, the harmony that Adam and Eve enjoyed together was broken, and so they covered themselves up. And then, and then God arrived in the garden as what seems like was his custom to walk with them, to have fellowship with them, uh, to in, uh, interact with them, to enjoy each other's company, and they hid from God. So do we just, just wrap our heads around that for a minute. God created the garden so that Adam and Eve could live in perfect harmony with one another and with him, and they ate of the fruit, and all of a sudden, they were ashamed and they hid, and the, the harmony was broken, and the innocence was gone. And I think if we look at the history of, of mankind through the rise and fall of empires, we see that, that every nation was trying to build a better future, to create something that would, that would last, so that their, their kids and their grandkids would, would live in a way that was better than what they had. They were looking for, uh, looking for joy, for peace, for harmony, uh, for, for something better than, than what existed. And I think it all goes back to the garden. The, the harmony and the innocence was lost, and we've been looking for it ever since. We've been looking for love, for joy, for peace. We've been looking for something to hope in. And I would say even, even today in the United States of America, despite the freedoms we have, despite the prosperity that we have, the comfort that we live in, 
People live in, in shame, people live alone, people live without hope, looking for something, looking for something to believe in, looking for something to build their life on, looking for something that they can get behind. And I think that's why Christmas is truly the most wonderful time of the year. Because everybody's looking at Jesus. And whether or not they're looking at him in, in ignorance or whether they're looking at him even with um, uh, sort of a, uh, the, the word's gone. They don't, they don't care. Uh, maybe with apathy, they're aware. That, that Jesus is, 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 the, is the one that we celebrate. Jesus is the one, uh, the reason that we have Christmas trees, that we have lights up, that we do go to Christmas parties, that we exchange gifts. And so whether they look at him in ignorance or look at him in, in faith and in love and in joy, everybody's looking at Jesus. And so we have this opportunity to share about the hope that is found in a relationship with Jesus. Some people need to be reminded, some people need to be told for the first time, but we have hope in Jesus. And so, um, the, like I said, the ancient Israelites, they had their list and they were hoping for a Messiah. They were hoping for one who, who they could get behind, who they could believe in, who, who they could put uh, their hope in. And they didn't realize, all of them, that it was Jesus, but we're going to see this morning, in fact, that it was Jesus. And so we're going to look at some of the scripture that would have been on their list um, back in the first century when Jesus came to this earth. So Isaiah, uh, so I'll ask you this, stay in Matthew chapter 1, and then we're going to look in Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to read some Old Testament references, and then we're going to look in, in Matthew as well. And so if, if we were in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, working through it, we'd see the genealogy of Jesus in the first part of chapter one. Um, and, and then in, after the genealogy, it goes to, to Joseph. And Joseph uh, had this uh, vision, this dream, where the angel came to him. But before we read that, look at Isaiah uh, chapter seven, verse 14 on the screen with me. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This was written approximately 700 years before Jesus was born. And so uh, if you've read the scripture um, account of the birth of Jesus in the book of Matthew before, maybe you've done it again this year, um, Joseph found out that Mary was with child. He was thinking, I'm just gonna have to divorce her quietly. She's just my fiance. We have not come together yet. And uh, an angel came to Joseph in a dream. Matthew chapter one, uh, starting in verse 18, talks about the dream, but verse 21 uh, says this. Um, she will bear a son, the angel speaking to Joseph, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin, Mary, Mary and Joseph not come together yet at that time, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And uh, Matthew adds in parentheses, which means God with us. So Isaiah wrote these words, 700 years before Jesus, and Matthew, Matthew 
uh, writes that the angel came to Joseph and said, look, this is exactly what Isaiah wrote. This is why it's happening. It's happening to you and to Mary. Uh, So let me read to you Micah chapter five, verse two. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So Micah writing again, almost 700, or at least 700 years before uh, Jesus was born, uh, saying that the ruler will come from the little town of Bethlehem. Of course, we sing, we sing the Christmas carol about that today, but they didn't know that. They, they just had this, this uh, prophecy from Micah that their ruler would come from Bethlehem. And I love the last part of this verse, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Jesus coming to earth uh, to redeem mankind was not something God came up with last minute. It was his plan from the beginning. And so um, if we continue in, in, the, in the book of Matthew, um, Matthew doesn't go into a, a whole lot about the birth of Jesus, but picks up the, the, the narrative after Jesus was born in chapter two, where the wise men had come from the east following the star and they arrived in Jerusalem and they, they went to King Herod and they said to King Herod, look, we've been following this star. We believe that uh, a king has been born and he's been born here nearby. Where is he? And of course, King Herod didn't know. And so he asked, where, where, was, the, uh, where was the Messiah to have been born? And, uh, and they said, in Bethlehem. And so we're gonna pick up in verse five of Matthew chapter two. Um, the, the chief priests and the scribes um, uh, were, were asked, where was the Christ to be born? And this is what they answered King Herod, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So 700 years earlier, Micah said a ruler will come out of Bethlehem, and we read uh, in, the, in the narrative in Matthew and in Luke that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Uh, Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, the men's Bible study worked through the book of Hosea this, uh, this fall. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, we read this, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. This was written probably 700, maybe 750 years before Jesus was born. Um, and, it, and as we work through the, the, the account in Matthew uh, chapter two, uh, Herod asked the, the, the uh, chief priests and the scribes, where would this ruler be born? They said he'd be born in Bethlehem. And Herod said to the wise man, he's gonna be born in Bethlehem, go and visit him and worship him, then come back to me and let me know where he is so that I could go and worship him as well. And of course, we know that Herod was lying. He, his intent would, would be that he would kill the child uh, when he found him. And so in Matthew chapter two, verses uh, 13, starting in verse 13, the wise men, they went, they worshiped, they gave their gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, uh, and they, returned, uh, they returned to their homeland, but they had been warned in a dream, don't go back to Herod. And so they did not go through Jerusalem, they went another way. And so after they had departed, Matthew uh, 2, verse 13, 
After the wise men had departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose, Joseph rose, took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So the, 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 uh, the faithful of Israel would have had these prophecies that they would have held on to with hope that the Messiah would come and one by one we see them uh, coming to pass here in Matthew chapters one and two. Of course, we know that, uh, that the Mary and Joseph and, and the baby Jesus, they went to Egypt uh, to escape the wrath of Herod. Uh, but Herod, Herod wanted Jesus dead, and so he didn't get report back from the wise men where he was, and so he, he, he put out this edict, kill all of the, the babies, two years, two baby boys, two years and younger, and, uh, and have them all killed, uh, because he was just set on the fact that there would not be another king besides him. And in, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, we read this. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Written 600 years before Jesus was born. And we come in this account after Mary and Joseph uh, had, had fled for Egypt. Uh, it says in verse 16, Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that had been ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. God prophesied through the prophets in the Old Testament, six and seven hundred years and more later, Jesus was born and the prophecies were fulfilled. What encouragement can we take from these prophecies today? One, I think we can be encouraged by the fact that God is a God of his word. If God says it, then it's true. If he says he'll do something, then he'll do it. If he says something is true, then it's true. If he says something will happen, then it will happen. Very similarly, the Bible is true and can be trusted. These, these things that we read in the Old Testament that were written hundreds of years before, we see coming to pass. And these are just a few selections. There's many more that we could have looked at this morning. There's many more that you could look at in your own personal study of things in the Old Testament that, that God told uh, the prophets and, and the scribes to write about the coming Messiah that came to pass in the person Jesus Christ. We can build our lives on the truth of God's words, a firm foundation that can be trusted. But, and I think the third thing that we can take from this is God has a plan of redemption that cannot be thwarted. God has a plan of redemption. God determined that the, the brokenness of man, that this lost relationship, that this, this sin and rebellion that's seen through all of history of man 
would not result in, in judgment and death and destruction of all mankind. Instead, God sent his son Jesus in the form of a baby to this earth, to the little town of Bethlehem, born to the Virgin Mary and her betrothed Joseph to be our savior. He lived a perfect life. He suffered unjustly, but he gave of himself for you and for me so that we could have life. He did no wrong, he was put to death, and those who put their faith and trust in him are given life. Jesus came to give life, to free us from the burden of sin and of shame. And the reality is that this new life that we have in Christ is really just the very beginning. We have hope that one day our bodies will be exchanged for a new body. We'll have a glorified body. We will be like him and we will be with him. That's our hope. The, the Jewish people clung to the promises of God and those promises were fulfilled in the person of Jesus and, and we have the promises of God that will be fulfilled again when Jesus returns to take us to be with him. John chapter 14, verses one through three. This is a great promise of God for us today. He said to his disciples before he left them to go back to the Father, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. That's a great promise for us today. The Israelites had the, their list of verses that had promises for them. This is a, a, a verse that is a promise for you. It's a promise for me today. That Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And if he's gone to prepare it, he will come again and he will take us to be with him. If you want to, if you want to take a, just a, write down this reference, Romans chapter eight, uh, verses 18 through 25. Read, read those verses if you get a chance today, talking about that future glory that is for us, but also for the created world in that day when, when Christ returns. So it's a season of hope. We know what that hope is. For, for kids, this, this season is a, it's a hope that they're gonna get some gifts under the tree. For us, it's a hope because we know that Jesus uh, came once as he promised that he would and that he will come again as he promised that he would. So when we look into the manger, we should see a promise keeper. When we look into the manger, we should see God's grace to us. When we look into the manger, we should see hope for the future. And of course, we know that First Peter, in First Peter, Peter told us that we should always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have within us. And the answer this Christmas season, the, the answer all year long is Jesus. But we have great opportunity this Christmas season to share why we have hope and what we are putting our hope in, what we can get behind as a people of God. We have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to put our hope in. And my prayer for all of us is that we will 
take the opportunities that God gives us this Christmas season to share about the hope that we do have. Why don't you pray, pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful this morning uh, for your word, for the promises that are in it, for the promises that we can see uh, that have come to, pr- come to pass and have come to fruition and were fulfilled when Jesus came uh, as a baby to Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. Lord, we, we see promises in your word about a hope that we have uh, for a future with you. We see the promises that you'll always be with us, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, you're preparing a place for us. And, and God, we have this hope of new life because of our relationship with you. And Lord, while we're thankful for that this morning, while we celebrate that this morning, I pray that our eyes would be open for those who have no hope. Uh, that we would be aware of those who, who don't know who you are. Lord, I think of, of John and Hannah and Jacob and Marissa and Dot and Amy who are preparing to go overseas. They understand that there are those without hope still. Mike and Karen with Wycliffe, working to see your word translated into languages that have no hope because they don't know about you. And Lord, we do know about you. We're going to hear your name sung uh, through songs this Christmas season. When we're shopping in stores, we'll hear uh, the truth of, of your word proclaimed through Christmas carols. Lord, give us a boldness to share about the hope that we have in who you are. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son as a baby. Lord, give us opportunities and give us the boldness to to, uh, uh, take those opportunities and run with them this Christmas season. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.